All right. Well, as I said before, happy Fourth of July weekend. I am ready. I'm sporting my American Crocs. What do you think? These are my camping Crocs, which is fitting not only because it's Fourth of July weekend, but because my family is camping in Apple Valley this weekend. So I uh, drove up from there uh, this morning. And uh, these are, are my, one of my favorite shoes of all time. Um, we call this relax mode, and then this is adventure mode. When you put the handle behind, just FYI. All right. Well, another thing I want to mention, too, because I've actually neglected to remind everybody of this, but every uh, week following the service, we have an opportunity for prayer counselors uh, to connect with those that are in need of prayer. And so in the back corner of the sanctuary, right back there, following the service, there'll be a couple of uh, prayer counselors available. If uh, you want to take advantage of having somebody uh, pray over you, pray with you, please please do that. Uh, just head on over there after the service, and uh, certainly we can also connect with you out in the commons too, uh, but that's something I want to make sure that we're all together on. <clears throat> all right. We um, are going through the book of Acts. For those of you who don't know, many of you do, and uh, we've been committed to this 50-week series, and uh, today um, is uh, almost halfway through our uh, study through this uh, book. Um, it's going all the way through to the end of the year. We're in Acts chapter 15. We'll go to that passage here in just a minute, but if you have your Bibles, you can certainly turn to that. Um, the, all the passages that we read will be up on the screen as well, or there's Bibles in front of you you can interact with too. Um, before we get started, one thing I want to make clear. Um, so, the direction of today's message was decided about seven, eight months ago. I prayed and petitioned to God over the course of four to five months in 2021, God, how are you leading us in 2022? And it became abundantly clear through that prayer and, and, um, and listening that God wanted us to lead us through the book of Acts. And so I scheduled the passages through the book of Acts for the entire year, um, the specific passages as well as the themes and, and all that. Um, and I had put that into motion. And so today was um, what we are going to be dealing with towards the end of chapter 15. So I want to make this abundantly clear. Um, today's message has nothing, nothing to do with recent events. There's no hidden agenda in all this. All we're doing is looking at the passage in Acts 15 and reflecting on it. So I just want to make sure that we understand where we're starting from, um, and, uh, and, and then we can uh, approach today's uh, passage and teaching in a way that I think is helpful. Um, first thing I want to ask you, the, ask you is, um, have you ever wondered how porcupines hug? I mean, seriously, right? I mean, I love hugs. I love hugs. And, and um, it's, I, it's not that I just love giving hugs. I love receiving hugs. You know, I, I just, there's something that just uh, meets me in a, in, a, in a very tremendous way. Um, but if I was a porcupine, that would be a confounding issue, would it not? Because how is it that you, that you hug another porcupine without hurting the other porcupine and the porcupine hurting you? 
I mean, it would be as if I was, you know, walking around with a bunch of knives just sticking out of me, and I was chasing you all around. Give me a hug! You would run away. Well, humanity is often like that, right? See, we have this innate desire, an innate desire that was given to us by God for intimacy, for relationship. He created us for relationship. But yet, we also have this sin nature in each and every single one of us. None of us are immune to that. And so we are prone, because of that sin nature, to hurt one another. So we have this, this paradox that exists in our relationships. We crave for them, but then oftentimes when we're in them, we hurt the ones that we are yearning for. The reality of the human condition is that we will inevitably come into quote, sharp disagreement, unquote, with others, even within the church. And at times, at times, this has to be said, that sharp disagreement with others, it can stem from sin. It can stem from from one or two of the people uh, rooted in some sort of sinful desire or initiative that would cause that conflict, that would cause that disagreement. That cannot be ignored, should not be ignored. It should also not be ignored that there is, um, there is right and there is wrong. There is truth and there is untruth. We have to, we have to believe that if we're going to believe God's word. If we're going to believe Jesus, we have to believe that there is good and there's bad. There's evil and there's right. But other times, and this is what we're going to actually see in the end of Acts 15, there are times when sharp disagreement results from God moving in two different ways with two different lives. Acts 15 is a, is a very curious chapter, and possibly you've picked up on this. <laughs> up to Acts 15, so much of the conflict, so much of the, of the issues that existed in the church, or consisted for the church, was because of hostility that was happening from outside the church. His followers um, of Jesus being persecuted by those that weren't following Christ. But then in Acts 15, we're seeing conflict not from coming outside the church, but from where? Inside, right? There's conflict happening inside. First, in, in much of Acts 15, we see that there's a dispute amongst Gentile followers of Jesus, that um, Jewish uh, Christians are coming in and saying, you have to be circumcised, and you can't be saved unless you're circumcised. And so this, this made the whole of the church leaders at the time meet together in Jerusalem and to discuss this, where Peter proclaimed, remember, it's, he said that it's by grace that we're saved, the grace afforded to us because of Jesus Christ. And now we see another conflict brewing in the end of Acts 15, starting with verse uh, 36. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back. So Paul and Barnabas, right? They're like like Abbott and Costello, right? These guys guys are like two peas in a pod. I mean, they, they go everywhere with each other up to this point. Paul says to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preached 
where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Basically, he's saying, hey, all those towns, all those places that we started churches, let's go back. Let's revisit with these fellow believers in Christ, these churches, and and let's, let's connect with them. Let's strengthen them. See how they're doing. Encourage them. In verse 37, it says, Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark. He wanted to take Mark with them. In verse 38, but Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement, that is, Paul and Barnabas had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. In verse 40, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So as a parent, when I sit on a couch, I can never sit at the end of the couch. I can never sit on the end of the couch, which is a problem. Because I like to have my, my water sitting next to me on a table. And I actually prefer that armrest. I don't know about you, but I hate sitting in the middle of a couch where your arms are like, I don't know what to do. But the reason I can never sit on the side of the couch is because I have two kids. Now, I love my kids, and I love the fact that they still want to cuddle with me, but it gets so annoying sometimes because I don't want to sit in the middle. Because why? They want to sit next to Dad, which is awesome, but not really. No, I'm just kidding. It's awesome. It's a little annoying. Sitting there in the middle, having both my kids on, on each side of me, and they bicker and fight when I'm on the end. And I'm like, you know, guys, I just I want to sit here. I want to relax. I want to lean against this. I got my water right here. Guys, Aiden, you could sit next to me for five minutes. Set a timer. You get up. Go. Callie, you sit next to me for five minutes. We'll do that kind of arrangement. No, they go at each other, right? Their desire to be with the Father is the same. Interpersonal conflict is something that all of us understand. There's no escaping its presence in our lives. Amen? And here in, the, uh, in, in Acts chapter 15, we see that very thing happen between two key figures. Arguably at the time, other than Peter, these were the two big wigs. These are the two big giants in the Christian church at the time, Paul and Barnabas. Up to this point, Paul and Barnabas did everything together. They went everything together. They invested in their lives and their hearts into these churches. And they invested in these churches and were now set to return to see how they're doing and to strengthen them. But as they prepared to embark, it says here in Luke that they experienced a sharp disagreement. As we read, that disagreement came because Barnabas wanted to take Mark, but Paul didn't want to take him. And it was so divisive that they ended up actually having to go in two complete different directions. Two guys who had spent years up to this point doing ministry and missionary work, experiencing hardship, probably famine, persecution, um, undoubtedly. They had bled together. They had sweat together. I mean, they, they did everything together. And now because of this disagreement over Mark, they went in two separate directions. Now, some have speculated that there may have been other factors involved between Paul and Barnabas, but Luke gives us one. 
So conflict seemed to arise between the two of them when no apparent sin was present. So how do we reconcile with this? I mean, because this isn't normally how we, how we perceive conflict, how we view conflict, how we uh, treat conflict. The presence of conflict is supposed to be because of the presence of sin or because someone's right and someone's wrong, right? And this assumption, it ends up leading uh, us to avoid conflict then at all costs. Whenever conflict comes, it makes us really uncomfortable, understandably so, and so we run the other direction. I need two kids to volunteer, two kids, two brave souls. I won't do anything... Abby, yes. Should I didn't finish my sentence and she raised her hand. All right, one more kid. I need one more kid. John. All right, sounds good, John. This is going to be fair. All right, Abby and John. So, Abby, you stand right here on the main floor. Right down. Yep, John, you stand right there. All right, so grab the rope right where it lays right next to you. Yep. Okay, now, on the count of three... I'm going to have you pull as hard as you can. Are you, you okay with that? Yeah. Oh, okay. No, I'm just kidding. But what I do want you to do is pull it tight. Just pull it tight so that, yep, just, Abby, you pull as hard as you can. There you Holy cow. All right. All right. Go back to your spots. Come on now. All right. Pull as hard as you can. All right. Okay, there you go. Just keep it tight. This is how we treat conflict um, all the time. And, and sometimes, as we talked about, um, when there's tension and um, one person's pulling in one direction, the other person's pulling the other direction, um, uh, sometimes there is evidence of uh, sin. Sometimes we're going to put the sin on you. Is that fine? Sometimes there's sin. Sometimes there's right and wrong, even if you always think you're right. We can experience this tension, all right? But other times, there's something else going on. So we pull back and forth, right? Pretend to pull back and forth. You know, no, this, no, this, no, that, no, this. We see conflict that way, and that's not super comfortable because it gets tiring, it gets taxing. But sometimes, and what we're experiencing between Paul and Barnabas, sometimes something else happens. Elijah, will you help me out? Will you help me out, Elijah? I'm going to get you off your phone, too. <laughs> All right, so you're God, okay? So... Pretend, pretend that God is on both sides, all right? Um, so I need, uh, let's see. Tim, you're God number two. Come here. All right. So God's on both sides. This is sometimes what's happening in the midst of conflict. Two people are pulling back and forth, right? Pretend like you're pulling back and forth. And the whole time, God's behind them and saying, no, listen, this tension isn't between you two. This conflict isn't between you two. I'm actually wanting to pull you in this direction, and I'm wanting to lead you in this direction. And we misinterpret it, and it's only when we sever that tension that then we can go where God is leading. Thank you so much, guys. Great job. Thank you. Both Paul and Barnabas' future ministries were successful. 
Both were engaged in furthering the gospel of the resurrected Jesus after this conflict. Even Paul, later in his ministry, he testified to Mark's effectiveness in 2 Timothy 4, 9 through 11. Um, he's writing to Timothy, Paul is. He says, do your best to come to me quickly. Uh, for uh, Damas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Um, Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Uh, verse 11, only Luke is with me. And then he says, get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. So both Paul and Barnabas had successful ministries expanding the gospel. So could it be that instead their sharp disagreement was God pulling them to two different purposes? To further the gospel to more places. Now, the enemy has done a great job of distorting conflict. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, we forget this passage so much. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And then Webster's Dictionary defines conflict as a, quote, struggle resulting from opposite needs, drives, wishes, or external or in internal demands. What if God is demanding we follow him in two different ways, down two different paths? The enemy often convinces us that conflict is wrong on all occasions. The enemy seeks to divide us at all costs. So conflicts and disagreement with others does not automatically mean that someone is off the path of God's mission for their life. So the presence of conflict will lead us to take matters into our own hands, will it not? Oftentimes, that's our, that's our recourse, that's our reaction. And the big reason for this is because deep down, we don't completely trust God's sovereignty. We don't completely trust that God will prevail, that God will take care of this or that, but... We need to be concerned about God's sovereignty in all things. We need not be worried that our decisions, that our struggles, that our disagreements can or will overcome the sovereignty of God. God's sovereignty cannot be overcome. Now let me underline this again. Not all conflict is the Holy Spirit leading two different people in two different ways. Anybody to automatically assume that is foolish and is abusing the word of God. But in the moments when the Holy Spirit is leading two different people in two different ways, like he was doing with Paul and Barnabas, for the purpose of the gospel and for people to believe in the resurrection and in Jesus Christ, if we ignore that possibility, then we run the risk of dismantling God's purpose to bring his kingdom to the unsaved because we just stand there with that rope pulling back and forth all the while God is on both ends saying, no, you come with me and you come with me. I have a plan and a purpose that will prevail because I am sovereign. We see in Acts 15 that Paul and Barnabas understood 
They didn't take this to the next level. They didn't bring it back to the Jerusalem council and say, listen, you guys sort this out. Uh, they didn't continue in their ministry slandering the other person. Now, this uh, because Barnabas did this or Barnabas did, didn't do that. No, they faithfully understood that, that God was involved in this, that the Holy Spirit was actually leading them in different ways in order to advance the gospel, in order that lives could be saved for Jesus. Now, this can be uh, daunting. This can be troubling. Because Paul and Barnabas, this is the last time that it's mentioned that they did anything together. And I think that's another reason why we hold on to conflicts is because we don't want to lose one another. But sometimes God pulls us apart in order to bring others to him. God will always prioritize the gospel of his son Jesus Christ over his disagreements and divisions. So should we. It's through prayer and a listening heart that we determine that the conflict is not the Holy Spirit leading two different people in two different ways. If we believe that, if, if the Holy Spirit is leading us to that conclusion, then it is our responsibility as Jesus followers to remember then what Annie Stanley states. Remember, we draw a line, we build bridges, but Annie Stanley says telling someone they're wrong is not the same as leading and inspiring them to do what's right. The Apostle Paul says it better in Colossians chapter 6, verses 5 through 6. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. But if through prayer and a listening heart you determine that the conflict is because the Holy Spirit is leading two different people in two different ways, for the sake of the gospel and the unsaved, then rejoice that God's will is being played out. And then faithfully follow him as he leads. Would you stand with me as, as we um, set to close this service? I am so thankful for this weekend, a time to relax, a time to eat a lot of unnecessary food. Fireworks are awesome, right? Parades, if you can get to them. Um, but this is an important weekend. This is an important day tomorrow. Why? Because so many lives have committed themselves to protecting and preserving this country. And I am beyond thankful for that. Not only the, the men and women who have served and are serving, but also the families that have had to say goodbye and to release them, not knowing what would happen. So much gratitude and thanksgiving that I have. But I also pray, not in spite of that, but because of that, that we would also seize this weekend as a time to reflect on what true freedom is and where true freedom lies. It's not in a country. It's in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your love, for uh, your leading, for your tenderness and compassion. Also, thank you for your conviction. I thank you, Father God, that I can't, 
I can't just do whatever I want whenever I want, that your Holy Spirit is constantly engaged with me, leading me in the way to life everlasting, convicting me of my sin, giving me and providing discernment to reconcile with others so that I can strive to live a life that is honoring to you so that the light of Jesus Christ is revealed not just through my words but through my actions and that through my life and my engagement with the unsaved, seeking to influence the world for the sake of the gospel, that people would be able to reach out and to grab hold of your son, Jesus Christ, and to claim him as their savior. We thank you for today. And we pray all this in your name. And all God's people said, amen. Would you say this with me as we close our service? We are the church. We have received power from the Holy Spirit. We are Jesus' witness to the world. We will give the love of Jesus to each other, to our community, and to the ends of the earth because we are the church. Amen. The benevolence offering will be collected at the back and prayer counselors in the corner. God bless. Stay safe. Have fun.